I'm excited because today we have a very special guest with us. So finally, we don't have to just keep talking to ourselves. I mean, I I like. Yeah, me too. It just sometimes feels like I'm going insane because you're basically just like an extension of my own consciousness. Right. (laughs) Right. So this will be refreshing, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on today's episode of Feeling Feelings, um, we're going to be talking about paying your dues, and our guest today is Kevin Avery. Hi, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Wow. Good. That's quite a, uh, <laughs> a an interesting description of your friendship. The two of you, an extension. I feel really good about it, yeah? honestly. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I should be concerned a little bit. That's a connection, though. Not a lot of it's- people have that. Yeah, and I, I think it used to be a codependency, but we've evolved. Mm. No, but now it now it's an existential codependency, oh. which is yeah. it, it's it's enlightened, you know, like it's beyond it's beyond just the typical, and now we're just like soul connected in a way that's kind of unhealthy but good. You know? oh, all right, so the- <laughs> I agree. So uh, yeah. anyway, yes. <laughs> Right Welcome on. to our unhealthy manifestation of our friendship. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it's like being in a in your dreams or something. Yeah. Yes. So Jessica and I have known Kevin for a long time and yeah, we... it has been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it has been a while and so I could intro you but I feel like in your own words, I'm going to read off the things that you have done, which are amazing. But why don't you first just kind of, who's Kevin? Who is Kevin Avery? Really? Um, Kevin Avery is a man who uh, just went grocery shopping this weekend for the first time in a long time. Yes. A man who still has uh. his Christmas tree up. Oh, jeez. Uh-oh. Um... A man who needs to clean his kitchen, but the rest of the house is looking great. And um, what else? I um, Oh, also, I may do some stand-up comedy and some acting and some television writing, too. Those yeah, yeah, are... you kind of dabble. You dabble. A little, a little bit. bit. A tiny bit. You have to have hobbies, guys. Yeah, I mean, you've probably polished your two Emmys. No big deal. <laughs> I... Uh... They're in the kitchen, and the kitchen oh, needs yeah, cleaning. Yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Kevin does a lot of things. Yes. And has been doing a lot of things. So, first, right now you're writing for the Jim Jeffries show. Yeah. That on is Comedy true. Central. Mm-hmm. You're also doing the New Negroes. Yes. Okay. You, said, you nailed I, that word. Thanks. I just were wanna, you worried about I wanna, us? I wasn't. I I think oh, people worry uh, when they have to say it. Oh, it's it's a title. I feel like that's yeah. No, good yeah. for you. I'm not gonna Safe lie. Space. I thought about it when <laughs> see? I was, see. See. <laughs> At least you like, didn't say nigras, which is ooh, what a guy. Oh, no. I I was doing a Q and A at a college, and a guy kept and he kept saying it, and I was like, sir, oh. please. And it's I have my hands on my face like <laughs> yes. Home Alone style yeah. right now. I mean, like wow. Fringe style. It's sort of a oh. dialect thing. I, I for okay. some people they just kind of or they've just always pronounced the word, you know. And he was an older guy, oh, but I was just yeah. like, sir, you can't you can't be an older white man and pronounce it nigras. No. No. Not uh you definitely not can't. Today, so. But anyway, yeah. well done. Hats off to you. 
Okay, thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we had this conversation. I am white, by the way, yeah. so that's that's probably <laughs> important. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I am white. Maybe for the listeners oh, who right. know, everyone oh. knew. If you're still <clears throat> listening to this podcast. By the way, for the listeners, yeah. I am black. And I'm. <laughs> that often needs to be clarified. Oh, that's a good point. They pro- you probably had a lot of listeners who were like, wait, why is he talking about Negroes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We cleared that up yeah. right away. Four minutes in, and it's all yeah. out there. We've nailed it. We're all out there. Cool. We'll cut. Co- we can come per our subject today. We. I have a story about this that we can come back to, and I'll tell you later. Ooh. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Okay, good. We'll make a note of that. Um, so then, you also wrote for HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Is that the show where you won the two Emmys, or did you win an Emmy for something else too? Yeah, that was that was for Oliver. <laughs> okay. My favorite thing about you being a writer on Last Week Tonight with John mm-hmm. Oliver was how much your face was used in stock photography as the, like, you know, yeah. panels. And I every time I'd be like, oh, Kevin. Well, I, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> once it was, like, I, I yeah, I, I was a bounty hunter once. And then once they yes. came up to me and they were like, hey, we need you uh, really quickly for a photo. And it was, like, the day of the taping. I was like, yeah, sure. And they were like, we need you to be the STD guy. And I was like, oh. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. I remember that. And I was like, oh. So that was, yeah. that was fun. But then one. So you've been involved in a lot of other things. You, I remember that I um, I pledged for your Kickstarter for Thugs oh, the Musical. Oh, thank you. And that was great. Thank you. <clears throat> I still have your poster. Oh. Sweet. So, like, this is when I tell you I'm a fan Thank girl, you. and this is just that's what's happening. Um, and then you have you're in you were involved in VH1's Best Week Ever, you were involved in Totally Biased with W. Camo Bell. Camu, oh, shit, I didn't, <laughs> but you nailed you should have just said W. Negro Bell. That would, <laughs> oh, wow. that would have, that would have, you could have, you would have nailed it. Uh, it's W. Kamal Bell. Oh, would I, I, Kamal. I know you, it, oh, look, it trips people up um if, if you think about it that's all i got in my head because i uh, i know I, i'm telling I, you it's because we had the whole negro conversation and then you were you i know, know. It got i i was getting i had put myself. a lot of pressure on yourself <laughs> I did. for that one I did. you did it's fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay so then you also had a podcast you have you have so many things so we'll let's dive in because your bio is so long we could just talk about your sorry bio the whole time. <laughs> Don't yeah. apologize for it. No, All don't. Right. Do not. You're cool. No, yeah. you guys. No. By the way, the podcast is Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, mm-hmm. period. period. And if you feel like adding another podcast listener to your uh, podcasting mm-hmm. repertoire, d- it's fun. Well, thanks. It's fun. But you co-hosted. It's yeah, wrapped we, up now. Yeah, we used correct? to, yeah. me and Kamau actually used to do it. And um, uh, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, I think you said that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, we're having fun. Um, it's yeah, we we did it, and we. I feel like I can say this, but I think we're going to do a limited run of like I don't know four, two, oh. six more. Actually, you heard by, it here yeah, first. By folks. the time this comes out, uh, I will know for sure. We'll have probably nailed it down. Okay. Well, we can confirm in the uh, in the podcast description. You you did that podcast for a while though, right? Three years. We started it my first year of Oliver, and then when I when I left to move back to LA, 
I literally had to stop because Jeffrey's, we have different hours and days. And so I wasn't able to record anymore. So. So you were in New York with, with the. With yeah, John I went Miller. to New York to write on Camacho, to write on Totally Biased. That was my first TV job. Okay. And then. Um, and then when that show lasted for a couple of seasons, and then we get, we got canceled, and I thought I was coming back to L.A., and then Best Week Ever was like, no, hey, over here. And I was with them for a little while. I was writing for that show very briefly, and then I got a call to go right on last week tonight. Yeah. Cool. That all it happened. happened. It was a, that was a crazy – New York is not a place I thought I would be living <clears throat> for five years. But there I was. No, you were definitely in the L.A. world. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's in L.A. Oh, yeah. cool. Like, that's I, awesome. You know, I'm um, still a – I I've all, I always knew I would come back here. So, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from – you know, I lived in San Francisco. That's where we met. That's where I started comedy. And uh, But, yeah, L.A. is sort of the place that – comics and you know actors obviously you know people feel like well we got to go here eventually and so that's where i ended up for four years and then suddenly you know you i'm grinding out here for four years and then suddenly oh it's new york i have to go to okay and so that's where i ended up yeah i'm fully prepared at any moment that our family will have to be uprooted mm-hmm. and living in new york city yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes when you live in la you never know if you're gonna have to yeah but if you do that's a good thing I mean, that's, I mean, something good's happening. Yeah. So. Totally. Yeah. Should we uh, do highs and lows, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Can't miss our highs and lows. <laughs> Can't miss highs and lows. <laughs> Can't miss that. Are we going to sing? Are we too what? embarrassed? No. Why would oh, you? my God. We're not. <clears throat> I mean, I thought about it for a second. Well, because, yeah, it's weird because we know other people are going to listen to this, but now someone's on with us. Wait, am I the okay, first guest? Highs okay. and what yes oh i feel i'm honored oh, you're thanks. special i mean a decade wow. of friendship yeah we're throwing That's you amazing. in first <laughs> yeah hell yeah welcome all right we're gonna do it we're gonna intro highs and lows highs and lows highs and lows it's just real it's <laughs> did you just interrupt your own song <laughs> not an amazing <laughs> i did i got in my head about it i don't know <sighs> that's our song we spent some oh. time on it y'all i'm having some self-doubt as I, an artist in you right now <laughs> in this moment i'm being you vulnerable you can, you can do it. kevin I'm doesn't judge judging. us okay all right but the, but the internet <laughs> that will. didn't sound yeah yeah but the well, internet is do. always they fair always do. right and, are, are they, they yeah. wow well, uh, we can really yeah. peel that back fine, i don't know if fine. we're <laughs> i don't know if we're ready for that um Okay, highs and lows. Who's you? I think I go first. Yeah, my high is my low. Um, This week, today, actually, I am leaving for Arizona for ten days. Oh, it's gonna be hot. Yeah. So the high is that my mom is going home after breaking her shoulder. Um, She's finally got the go ahead from her doctor to like you know get her life back in order and stop living in my guest room. Um, But she has a little transition period, so I'm gonna live with her for a bit, and then her sister is gonna come and take over from there um basically until she can drive a car because she lives in the middle of the desert in arizona hmm. and then the the low is that i'm going to be in arizona in 102 degree Oof. heat for 10 days well thoughts and prayers yeah 
Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. That's impressive. You know, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's, I need that. And I'm complaining, so. so. Yeah, same. Yeah, but. I don't know. Yeah, the fact that yesterday at eighty was like the worst in the world. I don't. I don't Wait, know I just checked. It it's sixty-four degrees right now. It's not even. What oh. am I gonna? Oh wow! How am I gonna make it to seventy-eight? Oh, oh. anyway. Okay. <laughs> See, I just that's too okay. Um, my high <clears throat> is that on in a couple days I'm going to the south of France for ten days. Uh, my mom. And my stepdad are here, so Hosem and I are going to have a vacation. Well, it's kind of a working vacation. I have to work, but that's okay. I, I'm going to be in the south of France, so that's really exciting. Also, I never travel like this, so we're just happen. We're just doing the podcast at a time where my life is like really exciting. If we had done this a year ago, I would have just been like, "So uh, I was in LA again." That's what I. That's what I do now. Traffic so, was surprisingly wow. light today. Right. It would all be traffic. <laughs> It would yeah. all be traffic. But now I actually like do things. It's really an interesting part of my life. So my low is um I hate I hate to admit this, but I now am a person that has three day hangovers. What? Ooh. I'm wow. that age now. Three. <laughs> three days. What was the poison? It was just rose. What? I thought it oh would be actual God, poison. Jamie. Me too. Wait, well, I mean, I thought it'd be like vodka or something, but yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Basically okay. poison. Wow, the internet doesn't judge, but well, you two I mean, sure do. How much rosé did you go to a rosé factory? Like, yeah, what was it a bottle? There, there were many bottles consumed. Okay, <laughs> if it was multiple bottles, and it was like with your mom too, probably, right? No, it was with my, my friend was visiting, oh, my yeah. friend Sarah. Okay. <clears throat> and um, we just like, did not go home and we were on the sen was it a just, day drink or a night drink it was a day drink okay. into night 12 hours okay then yeah this is all i'm taking back some of my judgment thanks you're welcome it was it wasn't like all in one concentrated time and i for the record do not drink very much ever so it's this was also oh i mean it is but i just don't so it's yeah. was it was quite a shock to the system. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to have to have drank like my twenty two year old self, and um, yeah, you're not in San Francisco anymore. No, no, I'm not. I can't handle that anymore. So, um, if I'm a little slow today, mm. we're on day we're on day two, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not excited about day three oh, because I know tomorrow I'm not going to feel better. <laughs> you got to flush the system. You, all the water. I'm trying. Okay. okay. Huh. All right. All right. Kevin, I, it's your um, highs and lows now. Well, I, what if mine was, I also got, uh, I have a three-day hangover from Rosé. Um, <laughs> that would be uh, awesome. My, I guess I could start with my low because I know what that is. I'm in the middle of a project that I'm working on this week that I feel, um, grossly behind on and it's driving me crazy and i'm in this weird state of uh panic a little bit um so that's mm -hmm. that's not good and it's the first time i'm doing this thing so i'm a little harried about it and i have exactly a week to figure it out and get it right so that's um <clears throat> that's a little that's a bit of a low um 
my high is I'm I'm, I'm looking around the, my my place like what give me a sign show me something um, oh this is not I, no. a good sign wow a gratitude <laughs> project is real rough but for I you. know here's my the low thing is the this. low is actually a high like the low is actually a really great opportunity yeah but but it's a I'm, good thing. Yeah, I'm you have a project yeah silently panicking um I guess my high is that Fair. I have a I have a I'm week a- off so. I'm just gonna, um, oh, yeah. you know, that you're gonna spend well, panicking yeah, about this there we go. project. So they're 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 intertwined. <laughs> That's yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have weeks where so, the blessing uh, is the curse. I can't really complain, yeah. even though I do. And uh, there we there we are. So ah, don't we all? Cheers, everybody. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's fair. She did it. No, no more cheers. Well, not no for yes, not Jamie's for some done of us. With that. Today's episode is paying your dues and all the things that go into that. And so, Kevin, you tell us, you, by your own admission, say that you start, quote unquote, started late. So what does that mean to you? And like, what has, how has that shaped? Because like, if people are hearing now, they're going to be like, wow, Kevin Avery's super successful and is living the dream. So I, well, the, I started the thing that I that took me on this road was stand up. That's how it all began for me. I grew up wanting to be. I knew I wanted to be an actor. I always dreamed, dreamt, whatever, of being a stand up comedian. I just never thought I actually would do it. Um, it just seemed too difficult. I, I didn't know how that was done. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But tell story. So I I knew I could write. But the first thing I actually did. Basically, I got out of college. I while I was in college, um, and a little bit after, I was in this uh, this R and B singing group. This yes. <laughs> now is this um, like a boy band? Excuse me, boy band is a different thing. Okay, so yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it, it essentially sensitive was sensitive topic. Wow. Um, Boy, I I talk on stage about the difference between singing groups and boy bands. And essentially, singing groups were what existed for years, like the Temptations and the Supremes and New Edition and all that, and the Jacksons and stuff. And then, um, but boy bands, there was never a mainstream white version of that until New Kids on the Block came around. And that, yeah, so suddenly there was an audience of uh, people who were like, what is this? Like New Edition had been around, but they didn't. I don't think people were really. They were huge in R and B, but there wasn't a pop version of this until New Kids on the Block. So, and they birthed Backstreet Boys, and Backstreet mm-hmm. Boys birthed In Sync, and there you go. <clears throat> yeah, nobody really called like the Beatles and the Beach Boys. And those bands. guys were actual just bands. They were playing their instruments yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, New Edition ain't yeah. playing no instruments. Yeah, they were bands. So. They it's were. True. That was. I, I mean, that I wanted Same. to be in New Edition when I was a kid. Um, so I was in one of these these groups, and um, I, I kind of that was the thing that I wanted to do when I when I got out of college, and so <clears throat> I was pushing for that. We broke up, and I kind of just floated around for two or three years and didn't do anything, and then I started stand up when I was twenty six. So that feels late. 
which is crazy to say because I think lots of people start when they're in their mid twenties. But um, you know, I you know, I had friends that started when they were like twenty one or even like there was one kid who couldn't. I remember couldn't get in the. He had his mom had to bring him to the punchline in San Francisco. This one comic, Edwin Lee, and wow. uh, so yeah, you know, so I always felt like I started late. But once I started, I just hit the ground running and didn't look back. So, was that your question? I forgot now. <laughs> that was it. That was great. Yeah, that was it. <clears throat> well, we met you when you were basically just doing stand up. I mean, you were doing other things, but that was your main focus. So, that was back yeah, I in guess so. 2010. Yeah. Was it? Was yeah. it? I lived. I yeah, lived I guess I didn't know you guys when I lived in San because I had moved to LA by then. Guys, yeah, I was. I think I was. Tr I was working on trying to get the yeah. writing off the ground. Kamau and I were writing partners. We had been for a long time since our San Francisco days. We started comedy together, and um, yeah, I was trying to sort of do that hustle, and it would be. Two years. In 2010, it would be uh, two more years until I got my first writing job. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. How did you keep going when you <clears throat> felt that, okay, I'm behind by your own standards and things weren't maybe moving in the direction you wanted to? Like, how, What makes you... Was it one of those, like, I just don't want to do anything else, so I have to make this I mean, work? So my day job was um, I was a technical writer for software and hardware companies. And mm. we may have talked about this uh, just in hanging out. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But I hated it. And one of the reasons I hated it is because I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about the tech industry. I didn't know about technical writing. I just somehow got this job once when I was in college and then kept getting them. And my resume just kept getting longer and longer. So I had a very impressive resume, but I wasn't doing anything at these jobs. And uh, in fact, I think I counted at one point, I had been fired from six of them. So I was a contractor. Oh, wow. So technically, I was never fired. They would just be like, yeah. thanks, we're good. And they would just let me go and give me my last check. But like, <laughs> I, totally. I, you know, I, like I worked for a company that made semiconductor equipment. And I, to this day, don't know what a semiconductor is. I worked at one company that I didn't know, um, I, I didn't know what they did. I had no idea and I never learned. And I never wanted to <laughs> learn. I would just show up and I would write while I was at work oh. and just do as little as possible. I would leave for hours at a time. I would just, I would just disappear. If, you're, if nobody needs you, nobody's looking for you. So I did as little as possible. And sometimes I would just slip out and go to the, you know, I, I remember working at a company in or near Milpitas and I would just go to the great mall and wander around, <laughs> just drift like, what is my life? So I was miserable doing this. And I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Um, and so I, I had to succeed at this. Now, the one thing I had that was a blessing and a curse is that when I first started doing stand-up, I was a very good, I did well. I was a good performer. I wasn't yet a good comic. And there's definitely a distinction. 
but I was able to get laughs and have fun doing it, and I really enjoyed it. So, you know, a lot of comics talk about a period where they um, they start and they just suck, and they're they're up on stage bombing and eating shit over and over, and then little by little they start to get better and get better and get. And those are usually your better stand-up comedians. Um, so for me, I. I fortunately had this period where I was doing very well and I there were there were you know there's a danger of you're, you've been doing comedy for let's say a year or two years and you're just not doing that well you want to quit oh I clearly suck at this I should just walk away from it mm-hmm. and I luckily had the opposite of that where I was like this is great I don't ever want to stop I think once a year I would decide I'm going to quit comedy this seems futile what am I doing this is pointless and then something else would happen that would completely change my world with this. And I go, oh, my God, I have to do this for the rest of my life. So, so you didn't experience a lot a of self-doubt. as a performer, I think in the, on the, just the, I don't want to say the business side, but just as a, just career-wise, it was like, is anything going to happen from this? Like, there's, there's just a ton of failure along the way this is a you know the entertainment business whether you're an mm. actor or writer or, or comedian or whatever singer it's a business of failure and so in any art and 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 so um you have to kind of get used to that the problem is you know you most comics start in their you know home to, you know whatever san francisco philadelphia boston what have you uh you're not in you're not around the business. And so sometimes it could seem like you're just doing this in sort of a vacuum and it, and it, it can seem futile. It can seem futile when you're in LA and in the middle of all of it. But, you know, for me, I I luckily I had a community of good people. I was also doing it with, so it was fun. And I also, the thing you learn about comedy is that it takes a long time to get good and takes, it can take even longer to get successful. And when I started, you know, it was there, the comedy boom, the new comedy boom hadn't started yet. And so we were all just kind of doing it like, ah, what the hell? This is just fun and hoping to get somewhere. But we just, I don't know what we, what we thought was going to happen. And then the tide kind of turned and, and suddenly people were paying attention to comedians again. And, you know, that, that changed things for a lot of us, but I don't know. I, I had nowhere else to go but to continue doing stand-up comedy and sort of try to act and write and do all those things. Do you have um, any stories sure. of failure yeah, um, you'd be comfortable sharing? I, yeah, I mean, constantly. I, I've been booed off stage before. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, like... You both had two oh, yeah. totally different reactions. One's like, oh, and one was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so if something that I find hilarious in a way that is uncomfortable, I feel like it's probably because my husband is also a comedy writer and that's like his side gig when he's not hosting. And so watching people yeah. bomb on stage to me is the funniest thing in the world. And I think that that's a thing that people who get the comedy world yeah. just do like we're ho- it's just oh, horrible totally. masochism and in a way exactly. like i find it, that it is, enjoyable it's insane to how much. so i was doing a show um in concord 
California at the what was that place called? It's mm-hmm. yeah, um, <laughs> but it's it was real um, Bay Area heavy. This episode, yeah. oh, I, I love it. I was opening for Cat Williams, and this was right when he was about to when he had just kind of broken big. The funny thing is, this is not even a failure story. It uh, it sort of is, but it's really just a rite of passage as a comic. But I got booked the last minute for four shows, and yeah, they just got progressively bad. So the first two were on Friday, and I did my first set, and it was like, all right, uh, you know, not great. I did the second show that night, and it was clearly worse, and to the point where like a, a, a small smattering of like booze or whatever, and the host was talking shit, like it was just you know, and so, but it was bad enough so that the next day I did not want to go back into like I'd never been afraid of doing a show before but this was like oh god I, I have to walk back in this horrible place and I remember I spent that whole day at the bar and uh, I remember someone even saying hey man you were funny I was like wait what show were you watching but the second show and by the whole by the way I haven't <laughs> met Kat this entire time and he was he was doing comedy in the Bay Area like regularly at one point like he was uh, he was an Oakland staple, so I would mm-hmm. see him at local shows around town before he yeah. moved to L.A. Had not met him since we were at this club. Uh, he stayed in the green room the whole time. We never talked. Uh, but I went on this last show, and I mean, it, first first show, I was like, okay, I got this. I could do this. One more show. But man, the show started late. The crowd was just just kind of rowdy. And um, first couple of jokes, all right. Second, you know, second set of jokes, third set of jokes, uh oh. And then people are just talking, and and then they realize that they're all talking and that nobody's listening, oh. and then they're all listening to me eat it, and people are starting to say shit and heckle, and finally I just. I had it, and I said, "You know what? I hate you as much as you hate me, but um, I uh, I'm gonna do my time." Oh yeah, I, I said this. I go, "I'm gonna do my time." You said and, that, and um, you know, I'm getting paid, so boo all you want, but this ain't the fucking Apollo. And with that came an onslaught of booze <laughs> oh that did not stop until the host just came and got me and told me, "Yeah, you can just get off stage now." <laughs> That was that. And, uh, yeah, it was um, – and I drove home laughing. Wow. I, it was – I. the thing about it is I was proud that I did it, that I just got through, that I did not – I refused to walk off stage. And um, and then I was also like, and this will be a great story to tell one day. So, yeah. It's not the worst gig I've ever had. And it is. It's a great story. If that makes, I mean, like nothing got crazier and wilder and worse than that. But there's something about that that you know, Jess. I think, like you said, it's it's comics sometimes enjoy that masochism a little bit, and they're kind of like, whatever, this is what you have to do. Um, but then there are other shows that don't go as bad, but still feel worse somehow. And that's you know, no one wants that set, the mediocre one. So when you bomb or something doesn't, it doesn't go well, you don't spiral into like, I should quit. This isn't good. I can't do this. 
you just have a totally healthy self-image. Yeah, and that's, just how, laugh that's how it uh, off and this go about works, your right? day. What? Hello? Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, yeah. much earlier in my career, I remember, I think my second or third year in, I was in the San Francisco comedy competition and I did a show where I had made it, I, it was my second time in the competition and I made it from the, from the preliminary round to the semifinals. And this was a big deal for me. I was very excited. And so the way the competition works is you just do shows like five or six nights a week, just straight through. And then at the end of the week, the top comedians, you're judged every night, move on to the next round. And so my first two shows for the semifinal, you know, I'm all excited. I'm like, I got this. I, I'm going to knock this shit out the park. First two shows just did not go well. <laughs> like, I think the first show I actually fell walking up on stage. It was one of those raised platforms with a little mini stair. And I, like, stumbled. And, like, the host had to catch me like I was an 80-year-old woman. And um, oh, no. it was, like, it was at a winery. I'll never forget this. <laughs> and, and so these people were not trying to hear me talk oh. about my shitty car and whatever else I was talking about at the time. And, and so, yeah. Uh, the, what? The woman judging the competition who was with CBS, and I had met her at like a meeting, a general meeting, uh, a, a, I don't know, months earlier. And so I was like, oh, it's kind of a big deal that she's here. And I had a new, I bought a, I don't wear suits on stage, but for some reason I bought like suits to wear that week. <laughs> and so, yeah. I don't know what I wore for the winery oh God, people, but I was playing Planet Gemini in Monterey, and I was wearing this suit, and I went on stage and just it was at a you know Planet Gemini is a club club, so like I was on towards the end of the show when the people were showing up who wanted to like dance and drink and hang out, so there were all these people in the back of the club just loud just talking, so I oh. just I did. I did all right, but it just, my set went just downhill and downhill and downhill and downhill. And I could see that woman from CBS looking at me like, oh, this guy, why, why did I have this meeting with him? He wasn't even good. And that, I remember that, oh, there was a roach crawling around in the green room too. And I saw it and I just remember like driving oh. home and going, this is pointless. I, I, I'm going to quit. What am I, why am I even doing this? And the next morning I woke up and I, uh, opened my bag with all my what you know my luggage and the the roach crawled out of my bag and I was in my bedroom just hello I thought I'd take this ride with you and um and I was like yeah this is what what am I doing and then that night no no I really the thought that was going to be a story of redemption by the way and then it was Me just too. a story about a roach have not, I thought have like not the CBS lady called said, but I will tell you this something happened. Oh, I wow. will tell you this that night I did a show at <laughs> the Luther Burbank Center the third night of the semis this was the biggest audience I'd ever played to it was like 1500 people or whatever I don't know and had the best set of my life it was like I, you know it's a big theater so it felt like it was like a, a rock star set. And I remember the host of the show, it's always like a seasoned vet comedian who's been around. And he had been sort of a big brother to me a little bit in comedy. And 
I go up, the, I mean, just the set of my life. And I remember as I'm leaving, he sees me and he just kind of points at me and nods this sort of affirmation. And I, that was, I remember that was the moment I was like, I'm going to do this forever. So, and then a year later, I decided I was going to quit for some other dumb reason. Wow. <laughs> you know, it just constantly happens, but you get over it, you know? Yeah. Okay, so I've always wanted to ask this question to people who like struggle and then their whole life takes off. So like, what does that feel like when you're just, it's been so difficult that you haven't had your break yet and then you just get a series of breaks and now like you're getting regular work, your, your name is known throughout the industry, you have like, two Emmys, you're making money, I would assume, like good money. And what is that? How does that feel to be like, I did it. Like I, I'm on my way. I'm in Please it. Please send help. I'm, I'm living in an old red wagon uh, that I found <laughs> at a, uh, no. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm in a, a red a wagon with a, a, uh, with a, wagon. a MacBook. That's it. Sure. Please do a photo shoot. Just a, somehow you. a desk over it. Um, just in a red so, wagon. <laughs> so it's just it's just a thesaurus. One book. Um, so uh, Sad. that's an interesting question. And it's funny. I... I was talking to a friend about this recently. So when Kamau got totally biased. Um, so Kamau gets the show. Uh, he and I had been writing partners he hires me to write on the show. It was, in my mind, not a foregone conclusion. I still had to write a packet. I still was like, I could still fuck this up. Um, but whatever, I, it, was, it was really mine to screw up. Um, that being said, I remember the day he told me and I was dry, I'll never forget this moment. He, I was driving down Franklin Avenue as the corner of Franklin and Hillhurst, probably yeah, so I was probably getting cake from uh, Alcove. And I remember yep. he, he was like, yeah. well, <laughs> it looks like we sold a show to FX. Uh, we meaning him. And um, and uh, but the implication was like, so buddy, you and I are going <laughs> to, we're, we're about to go do this. And I was like, and that was his tone. Well, looks like we sold a show. And my reply was, okay. And that was it. That was the conversation. That was, that it, <laughs> yes, I was. Oh my God. Yes, I was. Than the show. Uh, and, Got it. <laughs> but I'll tell you, oh, they really do. Um, they do have great you, cakes there. So. It, it's yeah. a, th I think about that moment often. And I think what happens is that you become so used to the failure and I don't mean in a bad way, but you become accustomed to it that, and if you do it long enough, you just mature in a way that you kind of are wary at every turn. And so that keeps you grounded on one hand, but you also have to, force yourself to enjoy certain moments you have to um you know Kamau and i i don't know 
probably in, when I met you, probably around the time I met you, um, in between tech writing jobs, I sometimes had to temp. And I was working at Amtrak at, over in Union Station in the offices. And was just like, uh, I'd been in LA and, uh, you know, I was going to a day job every day. I had this other roommate named Kevin who was also a comedian, also from the Bay Area, who had come down here a little bit ahead of me, even though he'd started way after I did and just hit the ground running. And so he was a man about town, getting up everywhere, doing sets, um, you know, auditioning constantly. I would come home from work, like trudging in, like I had been in, in World War II. And he'd be on the couch in his underwear playing, you know, Xbox, like, ah, it's so hot. Oh, it's so hot out. And then, what? And then, and then he would get dressed and be like, all right, I'm going to uh, the comedy store and go and do his, like, and I was like, Jesus Christ, how do, what's, ha what's happening to me? Oh, and God. so Kamau and I, um, we, we, someone, we got offered a job to write for D.L. Hughley's show on CNN and they were gonna fly us to New York and, and it, was all, it was all but official. And then we didn't hear from the guys for a few weeks. And they were, first they were going to like put us up and, you know, whatever, put us in a hotel in New York while we were out there writing. And, and then they were like, do you, you think you'll have a place to stay? And we were like, ooh. And then a few weeks later, it was, sorry, the, um, our budget got cut oh, wow. and we can't hire any more people. And I mean, I was at Amtrak like, guys, I am out of here. Like it was that type of moment. And oh. uh, and then I was back at Amtrak. So, I mean, oh, we had yeah. experienced this together and nothing, we took nothing for granted. And so I I can appreciate the fact that we were both like, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. All right, it's great. But at the same time, you do have to really appreciate and revel in your wins from time to time. And... Definitely. Yeah, Jamie and I have for sure had that conversation, both of us, when we've, you know, big clients are on the horizon, but nothing is certain yet and no contracts are signed. And you're like, there's this, uh, you know, glimmer of an idea that could like be like career changing. And then, yeah. you know, I, both of us have seen each other have those moments where it's like, and I just never heard back from them again. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Yeah. I definitely struggle like being in those moments of like, this is happening. This is real. Like I'm really, you know, like I've shot for Apple before. And like, even when I'm in it, I'm like, I can't believe that this is happening. And I struggle with the ability to like, enjoy that moment of like, this is a huge you know opportunity and like this is it and i'm in it instead i like i tend to be the person who finds something to complain about when i'm in those moments insane joy that it i mean it's like people uh people who yeah. laugh in the most gut-wrenching or scary parts of a movie <laughs> you know sometimes we find a way emotionally to compensate with emotions that we don't know how to totally. handle and yeah. that's one way of doing it Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's a safety. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely a, like, a safety because the rug can be pulled like, out from you. Voice at in any the back of my minute. head, for sure. But the truth is, yeah. And this is sort of how you have to totally. cope with making it. It's such a long game, and so the fact is, the rug can be pulled out from underneath you, and then you, yeah, you go stand on another rug. You just 
move up. That's a flimsy analogy, I'll admit. <laughs> but, but you know, it's always shit is always just coming and going. I liked it. Yeah, but I'm and in. sometimes it lasts a little longer, and sometimes it's you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> rug factory. Just find yourself a rug factory. Yeah, just like keep trying out different yeah. rugs. By the way, that was the name of my singing group, <laughs> Rug Factory. Aladdin I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to talk Aladdin. Um, I find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's layers to that, I think. Um, I find like hope is almost a liability sometimes in the creative world because I know that there was like there was about a year of just I think it was 2016 where I was experiencing just like the highest high oh my god something's gonna happen and then the lowest low of like okay now I got super disappointed like I remember I um I wrote on I was writing for this website called Thought Catalog and I wrote this post that was uh, it was called i'm just a girl standing in front of shonda rhimes asking her to be my best friend it's really funny (laughs) we'll link to it in the episode description great title by the way (laughs) so i somehow someone that was following me on twitter um saw that i wrote that and she unbeknownst to me like had a connection to shonda rhimes and like sent it to her and i one day in um oh it was april 2015 yeah i remember the day oh yeah i get it i get an email from shonda rhimes and she's like yeah yeah she's like i read this you're a great writer tell me everything about you and i'm like oh god shonda don't open that up but i (laughs) so we had a chorus shonda rhimes and i had a correspondence for like a year and at one point she was like let's oh it was december 2015 and she goes in the new year i am sending over your information to my assistant and we're gonna have coffee and i was like this is it like i'm gonna i'm gonna meet with shonda rhimes followed up and i had i talked back and forth Mm. with shonda rhimes assistant for a year and it just like never happened and it was in that same time of like oh, it's going to happen or something else is going to happen. And all these things like kept coming and going. And so I started to feel yeah. similar to how you felt with the like, you guys sold a show. It's just like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Like you get this kind of like hard edge about you of this. <clears throat> you're like, oh, well, nothing ever works out for me. So I'm not going to hope. Like it's, it actually almost feels kind of like unsafe to be excited because you're like, I don't want to be disappointed again. I can't keep getting disappointed by this. That, um, and you know, you asked me about failure before and I, I forgot the story that I really wanted to tell you. Um, the, the thing that you start to learn is that when it's sort of similar to the rug factory thing, um, when you, when well when you you know when you encounter some some kind of failure <laughs> we're going down another metaphor <laughs> usually it often can lead to success elsewhere and so you know you brought up thugs the musical um when i moved down yeah. here i you know 
I met, uh, or I met, I worked a lot with David Allen Greer. Um, you, we've all hung out. Uh, we, we were at Cobbs together, and and you know, and so, um, but he and I work a lot together, and he had gotten some show in, in like '08 or '09, I guess, and um, it's Chocolate News on Comedy Central, and so he, at the time that he got this show, that he sold it. Um, I was doing this bit on stage the, the, that Thugs the Musical came from. It was about auditioning in, in Los Angeles and how it's, they expect me to be a certain type of black, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and so I know I probably did it at that show that you guys <laughs> went to. And so- I remember um, this bit. Thank you. And so yeah. <clears throat> the whole thing was, you know, I could be a thug, but no, it has to be some bit. sort of- theatrical sharks versus jets type of thing and then I sing some songs and whatever it was very silly very sort of big and uh, physical and a lot of fun <laughs> to do but David was the one who said hey you should he goes write this and then come right for my show this would be great for my show and I was like what and uh I so when I, I moved down to LA I was like here we go I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna get a job, a writing job on David's show, this is gonna be it. And I wrote Thugs, He, it, the way it worked is, writers would come in and pitch show ideas and that's how they hired their writers. What he told me to do, he said, write all your, your shit out, because I want him to see that you can write. Okay, so I take the time, I write Thugs the musical, I write like a, I don't know, it's like a seven minute piece. And then I write some other stuff. He reads Thugs and he goes, oh, yeah, this isn't going to work for the show. Like, it's not going to work for the form. I was like, what do you, what? This was it. This was the going to be the flagship. This was going to get me the gig. But whatever. I write some other stuff. I, um, and I don't get the job. Mm. And I take this, I have this Thugs the Musical thing. And I'm like, I guess I'll just put this away. And I don't know, maybe I could write it as a short for myself whatever and then over the course of the next year maybe even longer i just keep going back to this thing and working on it and then one day i send it to my manager oh i finally finished that thugs the musical thing if you want to look at it don't hear from her for three weeks and i'm like i guess she hated that shit <laughs> then one day she calls me she's like i'm really sorry she i just get this message call me back as soon as you can i just read thugs uh i just finally got to it whatever we talk I can hear her assistant laughing at it in the background. We we emailed Margaret Cho with the script during our conversation. By the end of the conversation, Margaret has written back and said, I love this. I'll do whatever it takes to help you make it. Let's do it. And and just, just like that, suddenly I'm making this thing. And uh, it was oh, an amazing experience Whoa. to make. And it, you know, did very well on the on the uh, you know whatever the festival circuit and all that shit, but that that film got me my agent, and it helped get me the job, on sort of secure the job on Totally Bias because my packet was not great, mm. and so but it was this thing that I that I was told this isn't gonna work that didn't get me the job, like it was losing this job if I, I you know it just this failure sort of. Uh, yeah helped make this thing if i had gotten that job even if i even with not using thugs the musical if i had gotten that job i would not have written thugs 
And maybe I had gotten an agent because I had a TV writing job and stuff like that. But doing thugs changed things wow. in a way for me that I, I probably can't even tell right now. It just it just did a lot of shit. Yes. Yeah, I feel like thugs was the turning point for you. You yeah. suddenly mm -hmm. went from like you yep. were that that was when it was just a succession of things were happening from there. So bring us back really quick to let's GPS this conversation back to you get the call. You're outside alcove. You're thinking about some red velvet cake. I don't know what you're into, but I would be into that. And then you get the call and it's it's like the show is sold. You need to submit some writing. And then what happens? Like what happens when it's secure, when it's good, and then it gets canceled, which I was like kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. It was literally like that when he told me that they sold it and um and I kind of been with him through the whole process. But uh, you know, eventually it was all right. Submit a packet, and I remember Thugs was making its Los Angeles sort of debut in this festival, the uh, L.A. Comedy Shorts Fest, and that was that was a big weekend for me. Well, that Monday, the Monday after was when my totally biased packet was due, so I was literally going to the festival and hanging out there and doing all this stuff. And then I had my computer with me and I was in the lobby writing my, my packet for the show. And um, and then eventually, you know, in like, I think it was May wow. of 2012, my manager was like, all right, um, you gotta go to New York by, you know, in two weeks. Okay. And I just packed my shit and left. And, you know, as grounded as I was when Kamau told me that he sold the show <clears throat> that conversation um i remember riding up to the 11th floor on the elevator arriving at the offices and i couldn't get up to the offices fast enough i was so excited it was i i mean i it was a feeling that it just compensated for that time in the car where i was like okay i guess we'll see so it wasn't i you know it's it's that happened later. Yeah. So that was a whole weird thing. But Were you uh, the head writer? I, that like, was June 2012 that, that I started. And then in November, uh, I got promoted to head writer. And I was a head writer through the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it was a very exciting time. It was also, there were a lot of things that I was suddenly learning. And Chris Rock was our boss. So he was there. And all this shit was happening. And like, and, and, um, I was just in this crazy space where I'm like, holy shit, I'm living in New York wow. and I'm writing Jeez. with my with my friends and I'm learning a lot and we're stumbling a little bit. We're figuring it out. And um, the process got difficult because FX changed us from a nightly show to a weekly show and then put us on a new FX branded network that no one had ever heard of. But <clears throat> when the show got canceled, it was it was a bummer, but it was kind of a relief. But I had this panic the day that I was officially, that we were all officially told this sense, this of, of like, am I going to work again? And are my agents going to return my calls? Cause now I'm unemployed. So, you know, um, 
and they were on the ball and luckily i you know i got a job pretty quickly after that and so and that was the moment where i was like okay now i'm a i'm a real regular working writer like i've i've done i've gotten two of these jobs in a row i guess i'm doing this now and um yeah it, it so i mean from that point on you just kind of have to roll with shit like the these things come and they go and you kind of have to just be ready for that and and be on to the next thing if that answers your question I, okay it does i mean but what does it feel like now is there uh, is there just a better sense of stability or are you past the, oh my God, this is so cool that I'm doing this for a living phase? Or like, what's your, what are your thoughts? I'm fortunate to have a solid writing career, but there's still this whole other, I don't know, when you get the thing, there's the next thing. And particularly, like, right, frankly, TV writing is not, just where mm -hmm. I wanted to, that wasn't what I was aiming for. So it's, I've been down this really cool path, this very exciting path that, yeah. you know, has, has um, done me some good, I will say. But I, yeah, I still am panicked about like, well, shit, I, this, what about this other thing? What about this other place that I want to get to? There's still all this insecurity surrounding that. It, it never goes away, I don't think. And so um, I'm able to appreciate a lot of these moments, um, but I'm still, I still find myself looking past that and going, okay, but I have to get to this other thing. I have to get to this other place. And um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that acting? It's hosted by Baron Vaughn and Open Mike Eagle, a uh, very funny comedian and a, a very uh, comedy adjacent and funny rapper. Um, and but they do commentary in the middle, you know, and like sketches and bits and things like that. And then a, a music video each episode that stars a guest rapper. Um, so I was in one music video. I got to be with Mike and uh, Method Man, who was like my favorite rapper. So that so there's a that's a there's a moment right there i will tell okay so so anyway so i do i did a stand-up shit uh, a stand-up shit damn a stand-up set on one of the episodes and um wow. and then on the other i just they told me yeah method man's gonna do one of the videos i was like <laughs> well how about you put me in that method oh. <laughs> they were like done and so i kind of thought they would forget about it and then i get this email like so uh call time is blah 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 for the i'm like oh okay and I'll tell you, um, the podcast has allowed me to oh, start right. create wow. a lot of relationships that I didn't know that I would have. Uh, favorite actors, people I see on TV or in film that I admire and that I like, and and I've and and so one of those, you know, like there was a guy named Malcolm Barrett who's on a show named Timeless. I love the show. I'm a big fan of his. And we just met through the podcast. Well, cut to this video, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm in a Method Man video. And I'm sitting in the in wardrobe, uh, and some guy goes, hey! And I look up, and it's Malcolm, a guy who I've always wanted to work with. 
And so I just spent this day where I'm like, and here I am doing doing some scenes with, with Malcolm Barrett and Method Man, and this is insane. And now Malcolm Barrett and I are bonding over the fact that we're both in a video with Method Man. Like, it's, it was this surreal day. But so for all of the kind of groundedness that you have to have, <laughs> and for all of the, the, the rejection or failure that is very easy to get consumed with, there are still these moments that are super crazy and super exciting and that you don't expect that you have to enjoy. And, uh, and I think those things, it takes time, but they are always there. And sometimes it, you know, and there it's sometimes it's like they're few and far between, but then they become more and more frequent little by little, little by little until that's just your life. And, and I don't even know that I'm at that point where just constantly that kind of shit is happening. But, and I don't want to sell it like, but someday every day you'll be in a video with Method Man. You know, it's not like that, but, <laughs> but sure. Uh, then you, then you'd be exhausted by it. You know what, Method, can we take a break, please? I need goals, oh my personal God. goals. Yeah. But, uh, dream big. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'm so yeah. rambly that I, I get yeah, off track like, and I forget right. the question. But no, this you're not. You're not rambling at all. No, it's, this is great. This is answering the question, and I, I want to ask you. Like I know this is a taboo question to um, ask. Okay, but I have on our to, podcast, I have to go. it's not. But like, this. how does it feel um, to like have good money? <laughs> oh. Um, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, all right. It, it got awkward. <laughs> well, uh, how do I answer that? I want to know. It, Everybody it wants good. to know. They just don't I mean, ask. You have to be. As in the, you know, but you have to remember it can all go away. I, I remember reading a story of... <laughs> A while ago about a, a very successful sitcom writer who then was suddenly living in his car yeah, or some I know. weird shit like that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's big time, baby. Um, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're living in but, a wagon. Uh, so, I, mean. I remember at some point, I think when I was yeah. working at Totally <laughs> Great Bryce, wagon. And just having this one the studio. And I suddenly had this moment of like, yeah, but you're just walking around without a care in the world. Like I had been broke and I had experienced that before, even with the tech writing jobs. I was a terrible money manager. So oh. I was constantly broke or, or sometimes between jobs and I couldn't find one. And yeah. I had this moment where I realized you're good, dude. You just, you'll be fine. You'll just be fine. I mean, certainly there are other things. It, money doesn't buy you happiness. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. Um, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, it doesn't. The happiness store closed down a while ago. Um, no. So you can't just get it. I thought it did. But um, <laughs> but I think you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, um, but, yeah, you know, obviously there are things like health. Yeah. And there are also what would I do? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I have a place with furniture. Because I'll tell you something. Uh, like, yeah. 
<laughs> it takes a while. So <laughs> that I, the first time I we won the Emmy, I. I well, I just yeah okay. <laughs> I just uh, oh the the first time I love I, it. I love it. I mean that was that you you talk about a time where I just st- sat back and was like I genuinely okay, love it. I'm very happy for you. Where I had to kind of give myself a little love. <laughs> that was that was it. Um, but at the time we won, uh, I had bed bugs. <laughs> Yeah. Or I had just, I think I had just gotten over them. Yeah, because I just been able to, I just been able to come back to my apartment. But it was, that was September of 2016, I think, or maybe 2015. Uh, July, August is when I had them. And I didn't live in my apartment for a month. I just when I discovered, when I confirmed that I had them, I just woke up one morning, grabbed some clothes, uh, grabbed my, like put my clothes on, put some clothes on, grabbed a backpack, went and checked into a hotel. I bought some new clothes at like the Gap or something. And then I just never went back to my apartment for another month. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I can't, I guess I'm not gonna live. But that's what was going, like that's the reality. (laughs) Like. You know, also Emmy Award winner and bed bug haver, Kevin Avery. Like, that's what was. In fact, the first text I got that night was from a friend wow. who was like, fuck those bed bugs. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. So, um, and then. I love that reality check. Weekend, I'm just like, I come they can't back. get to your Emmy. I am. You mentioned at the beginning of recording this that you had a story. Talking about. About. What was it? Do you want to go to that? I want to hear that story. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, so I submitted to, you know, you, you get, they have these like CBS um, sort of these writing uh, fellowship programs or whatever. I think all the networks have them, and and I submitted to a CBS one. And basically, what you do is you write a a spec of a of a show that's already on TV, and submit it. And then if they like your thing, they congrats, you've moved on to the interview portion, and they will interview you. And then if you don't blow the interview, you you move down to LA and you are part of this writing program. And uh, I submitted to one i wrote this spec that i was very proud of it was a malcolm in the middle and it was one of the to this day i think it's one of the funniest things i've ever written and which kind of bums me out that i i didn't get this you know spoiler alert but um (laughs) but i remember i got to the interview portion and they they called me and i i should have said i'll come down to la for the interview but i was so excited about getting it uh, or moving on, that they were like, then we know you live in San Francisco. We can just do a phone interview. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, fine. And I never, I, I hate a phone interview. I need to be in the room. I need to be able to see these people. And I need to be able to work the room. And um, so I was like, sure, phone interview, whatever. And then, and so I get this call a week later, and, and I'm uh, talking to these ladies. And at some point, I don't know when, 
I, but prior to the conversation, I got into my head that I need to somehow let them know that I'm black. So that they're like, oh, a black writer. Well, you could, you know what I'm saying? Just to sort of roll in on that diversity tip. And so, um, so, so we're, we're in the conversation and, um, you know, again, you can talk to me (laughs) for a while and not have any idea that I'm a black guy. And so I was aware of this and, uh, I was like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I, you know? Besides just going, by the way, I'm black. <laughs> um, and so and so I finally said, I go, hey, so, um, you know, you know, are there any questions for us? Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a lot of um, uh, like people of color as part of the program or and they're like, uh, I'm sorry, what? And I go, you know, are there are a lot of are there uh, people of color also involved in the, you know, um, the black writers or whatever? And they're like, um, I mean, sh- and you could see them just like in my mind, see them looking at each other like, what the hell is going on? You know, and like, is this guy like a a, a, a Nazi or something? <laughs> like, is he going to have a problem with black? Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, they were so confused. <laughs> right? They oh, were so confused. Oh, they were gosh. like, "Why would he be?" I like how my brain went to like, "Oh, just a nice white guy." Aryan, to make sure there's you know, diversity. And so, but that's really the reason. I'm, and finally, one of them goes, <laughs> what, "Are you are you black?" And I go, "Oh yeah." And they're like, "Oh okay, <laughs> you yes." Yeah, but they were so. I think it. I think it was such an awkward. I mean, that's the better outcome than that. That oh probably God, lost that's the all right scenario. That moment. Also, there's another th- re- reason too. Just the thing that came up oh. in the interview that I think they were like, "Oh, you're more of a." I think they thought I was more of a drama oh. person and not a comedy person. I was like, "I'm a stand-up," so that could have. To be fair had something to do with it but i always go back to that moment in the conversation when i really tried to force this thing and um i gotta let these people know that i'm a black guy and i think they went okay maybe not we'll find it we need a black guy but we'll find another one uh so uh yeah i, I don't know but <laughs> yeah i mean you know oh. solid show though yeah the voice you know? And Launched the Malcolm in the, the career of a very funny, in the uh, white actor, show. Uh, <laughs> Gary Anthony Williams. And, uh, Hilarious show. Shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's but yeah, a great I mean, one. he played. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gary, come do their podcast. Gary's a very funny guy who also um, ran the LA Comedy Show Festival for a long <laughs> time. Yeah, if you and listen to so our podcast, he was a what fan up? of Thugs and Music. It'll give you these little things that you need to survive. It's like coins or an extra weapon or the hammer or the whatever in a video game. You just keep picking it, blink, blink. Oh, got that thing, blink. Yeah, but just know that it's um, <clears throat> it's supposed to, I always tell people the entertainment business yeah. doesn't want you. You have to really want It'll it. help you later. It's going to try to kick you out constantly. I mean, the best analogy, did you ever see um, Avatar? Remember in Avatar, there's a point where um, mm-hmm. the uh, 
the lady takes what's his face to to ride one of those stupid blue yes. creatures, and she's like, "You gotta, yeah, yes." So yes, <laughs> you gotta plug it. So she's like, "You have to, um, you know." We it, know the we know the, the details what, of this. Once yeah, you bond they got plug it's a in. Connection that's the stupid creature forever, and, and it's yeah. the most mm-hmm. amazing thing ever, and it's gonna feel great, and you're gonna love it, and you'll fly around, and it'll all be wonderful. Blah 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 blah. But first. But first, it uh, you know, it's going to you have to mate with it or whatever. You have to, yes. And and she says she says it'll choose you. <laughs> and he goes, how do I know if it chooses me? And she goes, it'll try to kill you. You have and to that mind fuck this horse. Is the entertainment industry right there? So, yes, yes. So. <laughs> Yep, <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. It's a lot of layers to Avatar. A lot yeah. of layers. Yeah, we didn't realize it. Um, well, so my pain. So I never had an experience of where I could actually feel that I was like paying my dues in that traditional sense. But now that I'm about ten years into my career, I'm like, oh yeah, there was a lot of paying dues because mm-hmm. there was a lot. I now feel so much more secure and confident in what I'm doing as opposed to just feeling like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing ever. And now I feel like, okay, there's maybe some things I don't know how to do, but I know that I can learn how to do it instead of I'm always terrible and I don't know what I'm doing and I always have self-doubt. It's like, I feel like I've paid my dues on the self-doubt front. I mean, I'm going to say that and then probably tomorrow go through a very... (sighs) horrible period of self-doubt so yeah i'm just gonna knock on some wood after the podcast because i don't want to get it recorded on here but you know <laughs> i those dues i feel like i've paid a lot of emotional dues and that yeah. i've just like i've dealt with all that doubt all that like oh i'm gonna fail at this or that and i'm like no i just think like if you're consistent and you keep at it and you keep crap like working at your craft Things will happen. It's not going to happen in the time that you think it's going to happen fucking ever, but things will snowball and it'll, it's, it'll, it'll happen. There's, there's, there's not as many like big, huge moments, but all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Huh? Okay, cool. This is and great. And that means your dues and, and how, you know, I mean, like, no, some people, they start doing this whether an, an actor or an entertainer or a writer or you know whatever and shit takes off for them relatively quickly and then some people it takes forever and they i mean i've always said i had a career that kind of uh auto corrected um <clears throat> like you asked about the head writer thing well it's you know it took me i was at least 15 years in comedy when i got my first tv writing job and I've my career has only spanned, I guess what six years, and in six years all this different. Sh- I'm in this crazy place that I'm like, wow, how did I get here in just six years time? But I feel like, and I realized this when I got the head writer job, like this was my life kind of going. All right, I'm gonna catch you up now. You got the first thing. Now I'm just gonna catch you up, and so. You know, six months in, boom, you're a head writer. Oh, holy shit. Okay, what does a head writer job do? It gets me my second gig that quickly. And then what does that do? That gig plus the head writer gig 
gets these gets me on the radar of these last week tonight people and so now i'm on that job for three years well what does that do well shit that that gives you the the, the awards and accolades and all that shit. It's this critically acclaimed show. It basically puts you on the radar of other people because this is, oh my God, this is the guy who works for last week. And it gets you the job after that and sort of uh, broadens what your career could be. But it's, but it just, it caught me up. And, and so, and it'll be different for everybody. I mean, you know, the, the and the failure is always you have to find a way to make it work yeah. for you you have to find a way to sometimes it won't be evident you know but you have to find a way to you have to fall on your ass and then go okay well now i'm gonna change it up i'm gonna do something different or i'm gonna the one of my favorite stories in comedy and i'm sort i'm sort of envious that he had this moment uh is yeah, I realize I keep talking about him. It's only because we've worked together so much. But <clears throat> Kamau and I went to to Okinawa, Japan, to do a uh, like a military tour, and it did not go well. It was um, like it was fine, but it, it was a lot of rowdy bar shows, and I did okay. But he had a really rough time, so rough that he came back and he quit doing comedy. <laughs> he quit doing stand up. And at the time, I don't know how many years we were both in, probably we were under 10. And he just stopped. And uh, only for like a handful of months, but that's a lifetime in comedy years. And and he started again eventually. But when he started, he was focused very specifically on certain things that he had not necessarily focused on before. He talked a lot about race and, and social issues and things that were going on. And it just... And he began to work on this show that he decided, oh, I'll call this thing The Bell Curve. And it became sort of this solo show he did. And and he really focused it on, on, you know, on something that he hadn't done before. And the next thing you know, he's taking this thing on tour. And the next thing you know, he's selling that as his show. And it was that failure that led to all that stuff. It was that failure that helped him grow as a comic in a way that I had not at the time. Like, and that I look at that like, wow, I, I wish I'd, I wish I had that moment because that was a great moment for him to be sort of pulled down and, and kind of stripped away and have life or the universe going, no, 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 not that this. Um, it's a tremendous, help it's something we should all hope to have if you just keep moving up with no adversity with nothing sort of knocking you on your ass your your art itself will probably suffer you, what you do it will it will suffer and then your career will just plateau yeah Yeah, failure helps you evolve because you see what's not working and then you go, okay, well now I gotta find something that's gonna work. And yeah, so Jess, really quick as we wrap, what do you, do you have an experience of paying your dues? Yeah, so I think I have one in the past and then a current one. Um, my past one it was that I worked at Second Life, 
Mm -hmm. So uh, that was that virtual reality world where like people basically spent real money in order to escape real life (laughs) by being in second life. It was a big subplot on an episode of The Office where like Dwight had a second life character. And the whole reason why he had a second life character was because his first life was so great. He wanted to do it again. which I loved and when I worked at Second Life I was the only person so you have to work in world is what it's called so I had to work as my as an avatar everyone's avatar who are all my coworkers, were like these fantastical like unicorns and giant jello and all this bullshit and I just made mine look exactly like me Uh. and everyone at my work (laughs) thought I was insane they were like why and I'm like I don't know I'm awesome what's wrong with all of you Um, but the worst part about that job was I was Uh. a customer support agent in world and that meant that I had to like teleport Yikes. to people who had billing issues, and I definitely teleported on someone whose avatar was a giant horse uh, with a big, huge boner. So that is fascinating. I oh. feel like I really paid my dues starting out in the tech world by having a uh, a I was contractor a contractor mm-hmm. job where I had to look at horse dicks basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then the current one is that, you know, it's been, I've talked about this openly on the podcast, um, in the last six months I've only had one gig, and I haven't been paid for it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm struggling a little bit. I'm definitely in that in-between phase where career started out, like, hot and strong. I have representation, like, have all of these incredible clients, and um, I'm, I'm at the plateau point, I guess, or at least a struggle point where I need to figure out my next step, and I need to figure out not necessarily, like, what the hustle is, but, you know, where the shift is in order to um, further and continue my career as a freelance commercial photographer because things are things are changing quick in the like social media realm when it comes to the concept of an influencer and that's also no longer what I want to be doing necessarily although that is what helps pay the bills so um, yeah at a bit of like a, a turning point right now where I'm feeling that those feelings of like not necessarily failure but um also not necessarily like the continuation like success regardless of how many good clients i have on my on my resume they change but slowly but sure yes Mm. yeah but also like they can change for the worse like you know right now it's like everyone saying yes to free yeah. gigs for like oh, trips sucks. and stuff and so it's mm-hmm. and as that market becomes saturated you know agencies have a hard time convincing clients to pay Doing for that. the high quality <laughs> work you know it's like yes this this art is higher quality but that person will do it for free and it's like 50 percent what we need <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So so it's a struggle right now, but I think it's something that I'm I am I am privileged in that my partner is doing but, well and uh, has found success in in his career and is supporting our family so I can keep making art and and keep, you know, my head down and do personal projects so that way hopefully the the work will come you. again. Uh I've always what you do is out there on social media, obviously. So and there have been times when I'm like, uh, what is she doing? What is she all about? You know, and, and I knew you did photography, but I, you always struck me as a just a one woman sort of industry that did a bunch of different things. And um, 
and so and specifically with your photography i always felt very i'm not kidding i'm, I'm not even bullshitting for as long as i've known you and i've seen your stuff out there i've always been very inspired by what you did and um that was always i mean there were i just i just remember seeing stuff of yours and being like oh, holy shit what's she doing what is she all about oh my god i you know um it would make me want to get off my ass uh and then jamie you know you wrote something that i mean i yeah i had yeah. it bookmarked somewhere I, I found it recently uh on my computer about uh, you know sort of feeling behind but actually being right where you're supposed to be and that is something that i've had the ability to kind of i guess know sometimes you know something but you really need to have it sort of driven into your head and it's easy to forget and i remember being at a particularly i don't know shitty point and reading that and it just it it felt so good to read that and it was such a, an affirmation that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And I can't even remember. I don't remember when you wrote it. Um, well, 2016 was a crazy year for me in in great ways and in really shitty ways. I think it was 2016. And I remember I was probably, funny, that not post, probably, I, I know I was kind of struggling with post. something. It's like two years and later. And that really really yeah. helped a lot and was and it inspired me and made me feel a lot better so i feel like the both of you are kind of just kicking ass and doing your thing and uh, and uh, you know uh thank you for that because i think you've both inspired me in different i know it sounds cheesy and corny um but i for real i just you know i really appreciate that Thank you. I also think that's part of why we started feeling feelings, right? To make sure that that while you get to see the like successful side of the stuff that both Jamie and I are doing, like knowing that as artists, we also struggle and we, you know, go through, I think everyone is just a human and goes through the same ups and downs and um, kind of pulling that curtain back and making sure people who are artists don't feel so alone in their struggles. You know, especially if there's a, a low after the high, it's like that can be pretty devastating. So um, thank you for joining us and sharing your stories and sharing all your yeah. highs and all your lows. Um, if you want to find Kevin outside of this podcast, um, Kevin is on Twitter at Kevin Avery and he's on Instagram at Kevin Avery Comedy. We'll link to these in the episode description. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. And honestly, we are. We're uh, feeling feelings. That's I'm going to do that first. I'm going to hit the road factory. We expressed our feelings. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> I've already forgot the context now of that. Now we're healed just... for today. Yeah. Go it's... off into your week. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> if you learn nothing else today, get out of your wagon and go yes. find the rug factory. Hell yeah. I, that's it. It's You're going to get out of your wagon and yep. go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So fun. Um, you can find Feeling Feelings at uh, feelingfeelings.co and on Instagram at Feelings Podcast. And same for Twitter, Feelings Podcast. Join the conversation. Let us know your thoughts. If you feel like rating us on iTunes, we would
wouldn't be upset about it. Bye.